Can learning more than one language cause delays in a baby's first words? Will raising a bilingual baby help them when they start school? In today's episode, we will chat with a speech-language pathologist to learn more about bilingualism in babies. I am Cindy Hovington, and this is Curious Neuron. Welcome everyone to the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we provide you with science-backed information centered around child development and education. Brain development, play-based learning, mental health, and much more will be covered. We will interview professionals and chat with parents. Visit our website at CuriousNeuron.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Today's episode is brought to you by Contu STEM Blocks. Contu STEM Blocks engage children with the help of families and educators in acquiring STEM skills through experimentation and playful investigation. These skills include counting and comparing numbers, recognizing numerals, fine motor control, building, part-hole relationships, balancing, and making things that spin. Blocks are made from sustainably harvested rubber wood and have rare earth magnets securely embedded inside. The inventor, a parent himself, designed STEM blocks for his daughter and other preschool-aged children. You can learn more on their website by visiting contukids.com. That's contu, K-O-N-T-U, kids.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Curious Neuron. Today's episode is all about bilingualism and babies. Here in Montreal, most families speak at least two languages. I was raised speaking both English and French. As a baby, my first word was in French, and my second was in English. When my first child was born, we spoke to her only in Italian and English. And when she was about 18 months old, we joined the local community center so that she can learn French as well. Besides the food here in Montreal, I love the cultures, and I love all the different languages that are part of the city. Today's topic was chosen by vote on Instagram, so if you'd like to vote on the next topic, as well as have an input in the questions I will be asking the expert, please make sure that you follow Curious Neuron on Instagram. You can also follow us on Facebook or visit us at CuriousNeuron.com to get more information. Make sure you stay with me till the end of this episode, because after my interview, I'll discuss the research behind bilingualism and explain how knowing multiple languages helps with the child's cognition. Today's guest is a speech-language pathologist from Montreal. She specializes in communication disorders with children. She graduated from the University of Toronto in 2016 and has been working since. My guest today is Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Cindy. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited to talk about our topic today because being from Montreal, I mean, you know, speaking more than languages is is very common here. Um, So I'd love to maybe start with the basics before we begin, you know, before we talk about learning more than one language. how, How does a baby learn a language? So that's a really good question and something that's often asked by many, many parents that I see. Um, And to answer this question, I'll use the theory that was first accredited to Noam Chomsky. He's a very famous linguist. So the theory that is now adopted by modern linguistics is the notion of universal grammar. So what this means really is that humans have a genetic predisposition to learning language. Um, So basically it's innate within us. We're born with the ability to learn and develop language, just like we learn to walk, just like we learn all the different motor skills. It's the same way for language. It's really just something that we're naturally born with as humans. 
So the brain is sort of primed. Exactly. So the brain is primed for it. And then we do go into the whole nature versus nurture um, discussion where even though we're equipped with the ability to learn language, it still has to be stimulated, richly stimulated. So it does depend on the environment and the input we receive. So this is how we can explain why infants learn different languages. It really depends on what it is they're hearing around them. So um, an English infant growing up in a infant uh, sorry in an english household will pick up english much like a german infant will pick up german or whatever that language it is that's spoken around them as infants they're not equipped yet with the ability to talk right off the bat right so they're doing all kinds of other fundamental and and important things for survival like eating and just learning how to stimulate swallowing and breathing and all these things so really they're just sponges at this point they're just getting everything in from the environment and then when their bodies um, now even physically are able to start speaking they will start the expressive side of language so um, even if you look at physiologically a baby isn't born with the same um, configuration of the vocal tract as an adult Right. So, so right now, it, when they're born, the fundamental purpose of their vocal tract is to protect, protect their airway. So for swallowing and for feeding purposes. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the larynx descends. And that's when um, different vowel sounds come out, different voicing comes out. And then eventually when their, you know, their oral motor movements start to develop, this is when they'll start making their first sounds and their first babbles. And the consonants eventually come in at about six months um, ongoing. And so then that's when really the expressive language comes out, but that's not to say that they're not expressive from birth. So really, um, comprehension and expression can occur simultaneously. And what we're differentiating right now is speech versus language. So speech is that physical means. If speech is the way, it's what we hear when somebody's speaking. It's, it's the, the way that we move the articulators, like the lips, the teeth, the tongue, that's what makes speech happen. However, language is really what is global communication. So even if we're not verbally saying anything, even if there's not spoken words, babies, just like adults, can be very expressive with their, um, babies would be with their cries, with their gaze, with their eye contact. So that is all forms of expression. They're, they're communicating right when, they, mm-hmm. right when they're born, just with their cries, and that is a form of expression. And when it comes to language stimulation, should you wait around the age of one when they have their first words, or should you be doing this from the from the get go when you bring them home after you, delivering? You know what? Some speech pathologists, myself included, will even say start in utero. So um, <laughs> yeah, so um, the fetus actually develops hearing at about twenty weeks, and wow. so um, yeah, the more they hear around them, the more they get accustomed to sounds. Right from birth, we could start talking to them, having conversations with them. This really does add to that language stimulation. So yeah, it could be started as soon as possible. Okay. And now we've spoken about how, you know, the environment and everything helps with language development. But So what happens, uh, What is it different when you're learning more than one language? So basically, no. The easy answer is no. Um, Because we are kind of these blank slates uh, when we're born, we can pick up any language that we are exposed to, provided that we hear enough of it. Um, And the developmental milestone, so when a child should be learning to talk or should be learning to communicate, happens at the same rate, regardless of whether they're bilingual or monolingual. Can learning more than one language confuse a child? No. So that has been disproven in the research. It doesn't confuse a child. The brain is a wonderful thing. It's very capable of (laughs) um, 
dissecting which language or which parts of speech belong to which language. And again, this is something that we do unconsciously, innately, um, and know that it's not proven that it, it causes any type of delay um, or confusion in a child learning language. So that's not to say that um, a child is going to be a late talker. Basically, what I mean by that is that if a child it does have a language disorder, then both languages will be disordered, but it's not the bilingualism that causes that delay. Ah, okay. Okay. And what about, um, so when I was young, I was raised to speak both French mm-hmm. and English to my parents. Now it does, I, I would sometimes mix my words up in one sentence or, you know, not stick to one language whenever I was speaking. Is this considered confusion of mixing the languages is this considered healthy or so that's basically that's totally normal and it is the natural progression that bilingual children learn to speak as they start learning which language belongs to what so a lot of the times when they're speaking in this way um, the adult either reformulates what they're saying or corrects them or offers the right example and then slowly slowly the child is going to start picking up on okay this was french for example this was english for example um so the actual, again, research shows that children from a very, very young age begin to adapt their language to their environment. So um, if they become aware that the adult or the speaker or the listener, for that matter, understands both English and French, they'll use those two languages freely. However, if they start picking up on the fact that, I don't know, the person they're talking to is primarily English, they'll try to speak more English and make more of those efforts and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that they won't make errors or they won't code switch from time to time or borrow a word in another language that they may know that vocabulary word better or quicker uh, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not the case that it's it's wrong if they use or borrow some words or code switch, as we call it. Okay. And, and what can a parent do? So if you're living, if a baby is in a, a bilingual home and you have, I'm thinking of here, so let's say a, a French or English father and a French English mother. Now, can, what can the parents do in order to help their child learn both languages? So one thing is, again, offer as much exposure as possible. So again, we don't know the exact threshold. So I can say for certain, they need to hear at least 30% to pick up a language. Um, But we do know that they need to hear enough of both languages. So, you know, what I can say is, is don't stop speaking to your children, whatever whatever language you want to speak in um uh, some tips i could offer is maybe you know setting language time so for example if bath time is going to be in english well bath time is going to be in english for this day and then the next day we're going to do bath time in french um another great um idea is offering the translation so if the child is used to learning uh, a sentence in a certain language so let's say you know we could say something like this is an apple in french we say c'est une pomme or something like that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We could read books to them in the different languages. We could encourage them to respond in either language if we know that they know those words um, and expose them to various types of input, whether it be music, um, whether it be if they're in the age of watching TV, it could be even watching TV in either language. And then for a bonus, putting them subtitles so that they could even read or get a sense of the words um, in written form of those languages. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I do want to add, though, is that the parents should speak to their children in a language that they're proficient in. And I think this is really important because we have a lot of parents coming in and, for example, let's say they decide that the child will be going to French school. They're going to try to speak French to the child, even if that is not a language that they're comfortable in. So mm-hmm. in this regard, I would say it's better to speak 
your mother tongue, your, your dominant language, so that the child gets the proper models. That makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And but is there um, is there a, a right or wrong time to start introducing a second language to a child? So there is in the research. We do think of a critical age hypothesis, and that is um, basically around the age of puberty. We or it is believed that it's not as easy to acquire a second language as unconsciously. So the process won't be as unconscious as if it is learned before puberty. So that means that let's say in college, I want to take a Spanish course. Um, it could, my, I can definitely achieve proficient, a proficient level of Spanish, but it, it's going to not be so automatic. I'll kind of always have to work at it and keep it in my conscious thoughts. Whereas mm-hmm. it's thought that before the age of puberty, if we're exposed to two or three or any more languages, the process is still quite unconscious. Like we just kind of switch to whatever language we want to speak in at that moment. Okay. So then any, uh, any child before puberty, then whether they're, you know, six months or two years old, it's not too late to introduce a second language. No, it's not too late to introduce a second language from what we know right now. But again, the sooner the better, because we do know that the more exposure we have to a language, the easier it is to learn Okay. or the more we pick up. And it, let's say you have a child and you only speak uh, English in your home, but you like to introduce a second language to them. Is, is it possible to introduce mm-hmm. them to TV shows and music alone in order for, and, and that would help them learn a second language or do you need to be the one who speaks to help them? So it doesn't have to be you, the person that speaks it primarily, but it is definitely through conversation with another speaker. So music and, and TV could only go so far. They're not the best way to learn a language. Um, so in that sense, I would say maybe sign them up for community classes, um, take them to the local library. They have reading groups sometimes and different activities um, at some some centers that offer classes for mom and dad and baby, things like that. So try to get them as much as possible to speak to an actual person that mm-hmm. speaks this language, even if it's not yourself. It can be a friend, a family member, or like I said, someone out in the community that they happen to um, interact with. But it's definitely through, I'll say, interaction with people. Okay. Um, which makes sense. I, I think I had read a, a study somewhere at some point um, that when you're learning a language, it's not about just hearing it. It's about seeing someone speak it because you're, you're seeing how they, um, you know, use their mouth and, and where they place their tongue when they're speaking and their lips and so on. Is, is that why it's important for a person to speak it, in, you know, in front of a child? That's definitely one of the reasons. So there, there is so much more content and context when we have the speaker in front of us. Because yes, we have the visual cues of what they're doing with their articulators, so the mouth, the lips, the tongue. Um, but also for an important reason is the social aspect of it is how they're using this language. Culturally, are, are they, do they have things like nonverbal features that are a part of this language? Like for example, a lot of European languages use their hand, they're very um, into their facial expressions. So it's also for that social mm-hmm. aspect of, the, of how they're employing this language. That's very, very important. And that is something that really we, we can't get from a textbook or from a song. We'd have to really see the person in action in a spontaneous conversation to pick up on those more so subtle cues. That's really interesting. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I, I learned a lot about the, the bilingual brain. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thank you for having Take me. Care. My talk with Stephanie really covered a lot of the myths when it comes to um, speaking more than one language. Now I'd like to look a little bit at the research and uh, give you a few more tips that you could um, apply in your home if you'd like to teach your child um, two languages. 
So even before a child is born, if there are multiple languages being spoken in their environment, their brain can detect the differences between these languages. An interesting article known as the Talking Faces study from 2007, uh, found in the Journal of Science, shows that infants as young as four months can discriminate between English and French when looking at a silent video of someone speaking. Here's the interesting part. Not all infants that were four months were bilingual. However, by eight months, only the bilingual infants were able to distinguish between these two languages when they were watching the videos. This means that experience is really important to maintain this ability. And by experience, I really mean exposure um, to languages in their environment. Pretend play is my favorite way to play with my children, especially when it comes to language development. Like Stephanie said in the interview, you can choose specific times of the day or specific times of the week for each language. So if you're playing restaurant or grocery store, for example, you could um, point to the apple and ask for the apple in any language that you want. What's good about using pretend play is if you ask for the apple and they, they know the word in English, but for example, if they don't know the word in French, you're pointing to what you want. So you're asking for la pomme and your child will link you know, what you're pointing to and eventually by repetition, because repetition is extremely important, um, by repetition, they'll start learning that when you point to that, you know, the apple that's red that, and you say la pomme, that you're asking for the apple and the word will stick. Another way that I love using different languages is by cooking. From the moment my children were able to sit in their high chair, I would include my children in the kitchen with me. And this really allowed for moments where I could speak any language that I wanted. So when my children were, were young, we would speak to them in English and in Italian. And the kitchen is a good place because similar to pretend play, you have lots of objects around you. And not only do you have objects around you, but you're doing a lot of actions. And these are the types of words and the types of phrases that allow uh, a child to link the language to. So if you're cutting a carrot, for instance, you can say uh, in, in French, English, Spanish, whichever language that you are cutting the carrot. The more you repeat it, the child will associate, even if they don't understand what you're saying at first, you're, you're, you're saying that phrase or using that word for the carrot and so on while you're doing it. So they, are, so they will link what you are doing to the language that you're using and the words. If your child is young or being introduced to a second language, start by using the words and the phrases in their environment. Then eventually start asking them questions, um, asking them to hand you the apple if you're playing pretend with them or to hand you the carrot if you're in the kitchen with them. See if they know where to look and guide them, you know, gently pointing towards the direction of where the carrot might be. And then eventually you can even ask them to repeat the words after you in whichever language you are using. That's it for today's episode. If you have any questions, please visit our website at curiousneuron.com and scroll to the bottom and click contact. You can ask me any questions or recommend any topics you would like me to cover in this podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Curious Neuron podcast so far. Until next time, stay curious.